Welcome to the 47th episode of Board in Trouble. I'm your host, John X. Bringing you the realest conversation in the podcast form. Well, my boys today, Mr. Grant Lancaster from Detroit, Michigan. What up, though? What up, though? And of course, from New Jersey, Pennsylvania, my ace boon, Mr. Robert Brooks. Mr. Robert What's Brooks. What's going on, man? Mr. Robert Brooks. I saw it's a shame that our boy Gene isn't here. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to pass on a review of that Super Jack. Oh, you know, we got the we got the, we got the group to sample the Super Jack the other night. We did. I wanted to pass it along. That was a very interesting. <laughs> that was a very interesting Super Bowl there. You know, Rob actually, me and Rob actually watched the game together this year, and everything. Or actually, Rob did watched we? the Rob watched the game. Rob watched the game. I had nachos. You were checking your eyelids for crack. Yeah. And before that, and before that, we did sample that Super Jack. So, I can remember exactly where it was. Two minutes and 28 seconds left in the, in the second quarter. And then I woke up, like, you know, with like 30 seconds left. I said, hey, y'all want to go back downstairs? Because <laughs> that time was coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rob was like, wow. and then and then Rob was like, oh, but I don't want to miss the show. So don't worry, we got the fire stick. I'll just pause it right here, and that was it. <laughs> but it was. <laughs> but I forgot that we had paused it, and so the rest of the night, like you know, everyone saw you go on Twitter to see what folks are saying. You know, see what what my my friends and neighbors are saying about this game, and and I realized like I'm a good. 15 minutes behind the action. So the game is over. Like, people are reacting right. on Twitter to the game being over. And I'm like, oh, this is tense. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is better on weed. So, that was that. Yeah, that it was, it was good, was. though. The chicken nachos put John under. Uh, chicken nachos put me under. Super Jack, your expensive toy, only the best. <laughs> Rob is still he still got he may have he may have changed his uh, preferences over, but it's still the champagne. The man is still <laughs> champagne, and what I mean that by that hey, it's man. like the finest quality product that bong that electronic bong. Woo, good 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 I didn't see the game this year, but let me tell you, <laughs> it was bar burning, man. You don't missed re- a good game. It was bar burning. Don't really mind. It's one of the best. Hey, I'm happy that Jalen did his thing. I recorded it. I did record it, but I'm never gonna go back and watch an old football game. Those days are over. That like probably that probably ended around 1996 and everything 97. So. I would never go back and do that uh, anymore. All I can say so. is I, I, had, I had questions. Such as? I had questions. You had questions? Yeah, I had questions. Such if, as? If you won, you, you won 14 games with Miles Sanders running, and then in the first half of the Super Bowl, Miles Sanders can't touch the ball. I mean, it just makes no sense. Well, I guess they like, thought they were going to be loaded up for him. You're going deep in the first half to, to Deontay Smith, and it's working, and then in the second half, you're not, you're not doing that at all. 
I mean, yeah. I, and I understand the other team. The other team gets paid too. So I mean, maybe they did something to make these things happen the way that they happen. But I just couldn't understand what was going on. Can I, you didn't believe that was a well. Good the harder part job. to understand, you know, it's, it's some folks beefing about, you know. So both of the Eagles coordinators got jobs in the last two right. days, right? Um, and Eric Bieniemy sitting there, still watching on the sidelines. They yeah, trying to tell Eric Bieniemy he needs to do something else. Yeah, that guy. His name has been um, resonating in our in our heads ever since he played at Colorado. And uh, who was it? The ESPN yeah. guy, Eric, sleeping with Bieniemy. Would like you know make calls of him yeah. making long touchdown ro- runs. Eric sleeping with the mm-hmm. enemy. That was the joke, and still can't get a head job in, in the NFL. It's tough. Nah, because 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 they're they're saying that it's Andy Reid. They're saying so he's stopping him. Uh, yeah, no, they're they're saying that Andy no, Reid is, that it, is actually it's not really the Eric is doing the work. Done. Yeah, right. They're saying Andy Reid is doing the work. So the the talk is that Eric Bieniemy needs to get another job somewhere and prove that he can do it. And I'm Without sure that Eric Bieniemy is probably like Eric Bieniemy is probably like fuck y'all, and I'm gonna stay right here. And then when Andy Reid leaves Kansas City, then I'm gonna take over with a motherfucking Pat Mahomes in my pocket. Mm, so that would be smart. Yeah, I wonder if Big Red will will, will do that, execute that move for him. Like I, I could see Andy doing that, like pulling a late yeah. retirement move so that he could. Oh yeah, no doubt. I don't think Andy Reid's ever going to retire though. He's been coaching football for like what twenty, thirty years straight. He's got two kids one mm-hmm. one in the police, one in um, jail, another one in the grave. You know, he found a way to every year deal with that stress. He, still has, he has a daughter also. He's got a daughter also. Is she in trouble too? Yeah. She's also troubled. I, I, not like they. Not like they are. So it's not like, like the boys were. Football is obviously like he's made the sacrifices. So that that type of guy, they're probably going to wheel him off. They'll probably be pushing him on the field in a wheelchair at some point. You know, if that became necessary, mm-hmm. he's that serious about the game I, of football. I, I could see, I could see big red. I could see big red. Stepping aside, if he thought one of his guys was going to get the job, I could see him stepping aside. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I mean, yeah. like he's he's a, he's, you know, all the other BS aside, like he was a decent dude when he was here in Philadelphia. He was a good dude. Okay, with, with two and Super he's really Bowls, those assistants. With two Super Bowls on your resume, you got that kind of cachet that you can say, "Hey, yo, this is my guy. I, I would like for him to succeed me." Similar to the way that uh, Bruce. B.A. Yeah, similar to the way that he did it in, in uh, Tampa. Well, I'm not a big NFL fan, but I'm going to say... It a disaster, though. Congratulations to Andy Reid representing for all the Mormons out there. He is a Mormon, right? And we got... It's a good... Oh, I believe so, yes. It's a good time for Mormons in sports because they're getting an the all-star game, right? They are getting an all-star game. Yes, they are. Salt Lake City's getting an all-star game, NBA all-star game. Yeah, we got to get Mr. Orlando Walters out Oh, is that where it is? Yeah. We got to get Orlando on the show here. Wow. We're going to bring him back and everything so we can have his opinion on the all-star game being in um, Mormon territory. Well, we got to make sure that he's attending some of the festivities so we can get like a a man-on-the-scene report. Yeah, right. Because what happens when a... a, It's one of the great people-watching events of all time, the NBA all-star game. You know, normally... Like that whole weekend, just 
Yeah. Normally you get a whole bunch of women there of all ages that are meeting players and ex-players. So, you know, Orlando's about six foot six. So it's very possible that if he's at the festivities, he's going to be mistaken for a player. So I would like to know at that point in time, what move does Orlando make at that point in time? Does he go with it? No. No, he doesn't go no. with it? You know why? Why not? No, he doesn't He doesn't need to roll with it. You know why? Because he's Orlando? Because he's, uh, what you call it? Well, because he's working it because he works for um, one of those big financial firms. Right. Okay. So, you so bring- he looks with it, but then he can drop, you know, instead of trying to, instead of trying to run the BS game, you just, you just, oh, no, no, no. This, you know, I, mean, I live here in Salt Lake City. I'm, I'm the top earner at Morgan Stanley. Right. It's the rat, baby. Yeah, he can buy as many Mormon girls like, as he you wants. You walk around NBA, you walk around, you, you walk around NBA All-Star Weekend talking about you, you a top earner at Morgan Stanley. They'll be ringing them panties out, man. Mm, yeah. That's who they're looking for. Yeah. You know, that's even better than a baller. But I wonder, though, maybe we can have him do an experiment and say he's an ex-player. And go out there and see how many Mormon girls he can wrangle up for the weekend. Because it's like, I you got know. a partner that has that story right there. What, Mormon girls? I got a partner that, that has that story. It was, it was uh, no, he was in Vegas. And something was going on with the NFL. Maybe the draft or something had happened in, in Vegas. And he was down there. And he was, he was, somehow or another, he came up with a pass. And he was like an NFL player for the weekend. And, I mean, the story is incredible. The really? story is incredible. That's that's all I can really tell you. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of like a circle jerk. The, like, wait, what's what's the rest of the story? You just like you just. Well, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember the whole story. He he got all the perks that you can get. I'll put it to you that way. Well, he he maxed out that card. Yeah, yeah him. It, yeah. Him, him and his brother got all the perks that were available for all the regular NFL players. So he was like rolling through the casinos like this. Incoming! Right. Incoming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Women at the door. Women at the door waiting for him the whole night. Yeah. He yeah. got it all. Well, it's good to be in well, the I entertainment business. Well, hanging yeah, fruit, baby. Well, hanging fruit. And it is mm-hmm. Valentine's hey, Day. If there's any, if there's any day to talk about low hanging fruit, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> because many of you brothers right now are spending money money on dinner with women that you normally wouldn't, but just because of the fact that it's Valentine's Day, you feel like you may have a shot. You may actually get some. So Do people think that way? I think they do. If you're listen, if you're you know major shot low averages. I think, you know, make it. I would think. I would think if you're going out today, like you got to believe, you got to believe it's it's got to be at least the eighty twenty. It's an eighty twenty. You hope that our our aunt Flo isn't visiting. Yeah, you got to hope that our aunt Flo doesn't make a late appearance. Well, I mean, otherwise, you think you think that you in there if you're going out for dinner today. I mean, let's be honest. If they tell you that after dinner, how are you going to know? What are you going to say? You're lying. Then you're in Cosby territory. If you try to verify that one. <laughs> wow. Wow. What I mean is that well, you I mean, if she's an upstanding citizen, if she's, if she's an upstanding citizen, which we hope that guys are making wise choices, she'll remind oh. you of the fact. She may say that while my aunt is visiting, um, you know, 
there is a couple of ways that we can get some things done. Yeah, my jaw ain't broken. Well, know. yeah, that would be the exactly. pleasant way to handle things. That would be the pleasant way to handle things. Yeah. You know, today I put up a I put up a post on Facebook. I haven't put up a post in probably about a month, a month and a half. And mm-hmm. I was asking for advice, and I said, like, you know, is it still a bad thing to give away um, to give away on this day blenders and aprons to women? For Valentine's Day, hardly no one laughed. I, they didn't get it. <laughs> they don't get it. Yeah, yeah they're like, yeah. "What's a blender?" Oh yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "What's a blender?" Uh, that is a good point. What is a blender? So that's true. Yeah. Why? Why don't you buy a woman a watch? Because there's a clock on the stove. Boom, boom. I'm just saying. Those those days are long past, though. You know, nobody gets those jokes anymore. I, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. today's episode no, is... Nobody tells those jokes anymore. Uh, the, well, <laughs> maybe they should, though. Maybe they should, and we could have a good laugh at someone else's expense. No, people... Can you People say jokes that like that? Shit no more, though. Can you say? Can I mean? Can you say those jokes outside of um, Family Guy or American Dad? You know, it's great to have it to write a cartoon. They get away with pretty much everything. But anything going? Yeah. I wanted to talk about comedy today. I don't know if you guys watched. Did you watch that um, special um, Kamal Bell? Let's talk about Bill Cosby. We have to talk about Bill Cosby. I did. I did. I didn't see it. Whoa. You know. Kind of where's he know, come down it, on the whole thing? So his his whole his whole piece was just kinda he was interviewing a lot of the ladies who were uh the accusers. Mm-hmm. And his, his was mostly just commentary other than what these women had to say, pretty much. Now he he was I think it started out that he was kinda defending Let's let's call it defending Bill Cosby. Yeah. And then by the end, he was questioning uh, what Bill Cosby had actually done by the end. Okay. Um, my I, take from it was so so as I as I watched it, and I, I, I'm I'm keeping short. As I watched the thing, me and Lay were were actually watching the Cosby Show. Mm. And as you as I'm watching the the special. And then you watch an episode of the Cosby show, then it just kind of put something in there that made you say, hmm, I wonder if that was innocent or not. Mm. But then I said, well, fuck that. I'm not buying into that. I'm just going to assume that this wholesome show that I love my whole life, I'm just going to let this show be wholesome in my mind. Yeah. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put that on it. Yeah. Well, so. Go ahead, Robbie. You have something to say? No, no, no. Well, I, I was finding what I found interesting about the special. I only saw the first part of it. Um, what I found interesting is because it really had a lot of elements of conversations that we've had here on Born in Trouble. He brought up the fact that it was the 1960s and 50, late 50s, early 60s, when Bill Cosby was first making his bones in the comic era. And at that time, they had guys like Dick Gregory. And I know, Rob, you're very familiar with Dick Gregory. You know, his work. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know, Grant, you're definitely familiar with Dick Gregory. A lot of the younger generation probably isn't you with him, but 
the, you know, I think Kamal Bell really kind of encompasses him in the best way possible when he says that Dick Gregory basically was the first black comedian to talk about white people in front of white people. And that really was his situation. Mm-hmm. And Bill, and he mm-hmm. talks about how Bill said at one point, I'm the Philadelphia version of Bill Co- of like um, Dick Gregory. And then his career took a different path completely and totally to the point where they were saying that he was like the friendly Negro. He was the guy that you can invite into your house. And this is how, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of like came around. But... Talking about the times, what eating was going jello on? Pudding pops. Yeah, eating the Jello pudding pops. But they were talking about even at the times in the 1960s how misogynistic the culture was. And one of the thoughts that came across my mind is that whenever I'm really, whenever I Rob likes to joke that I'm saying that I'm I'm defending Bill Cosby, you know, which is weird coming from a Temple guy. But when he says that I that I defend that I'm defending Bill Cosby. It always, mm-hmm. I always point out the fact that it's not so much a defense of Bill Cosby. It's more like you can't really get into Bill Cosby without getting into the era in which he lived. The Playboy Club. I mean, it, there's, that, that is all well and good. But like me and one of my boys at the office, white dude named Rob, uh, we, work, we actually both worked at the same radio station. And then he went over to the Phillies and four years later I came over. But when a lot of this Me Too stuff was jumping off, People were talking about, oh, you know, the era, the things we used to get away with, whatever. And Rob and I were both like, yo, regardless of what all the other bullshit that's going on is, it really ain't that hard to not harass these young girls. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, the era was crazy, but that didn't mean you had to be a part of all that. Right. You know, whatever. so, yeah, Bill was it, the, the era was crazy. And but Bill took it another step. Like, it would be one thing if all the accusations against Bill were at the Playboy Club. But. There it is, Brownstone in Brooklyn, when he's taping the Cosby show. You know, he's uh, picking off young women who are trying to become uh, actresses. Like, that's predatory. Like, that's a step beyond. That's even beyond misogynistic. Like, that's predatory. That's Hollywood, though. It is Hollywood. But once again, I would go go even further and say that's entertainment. I would go even further and say that's entertainment to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, and that's for men, yeah. that's for males and females. We won't get into the oh, male yeah. aspect of it right now, but we definitely there's can. A, there's a video that I saw online the other day, and it was this cat talking about the entertainment industry. And he was basically like, you know, he said they, the way they do a lot of these people is, you know, you, you have these conversations, whatever, you're talking, you're going to do a deal. They take you out. They get you all banged up maybe get you doing some things that you would normally wouldn't. Now, the next day when you go back to sit down and, and do up that contract, now they got your balls in the vice. Cause like, yo, you know, did you do such and such and such and such? Mm-hmm. They got a tape. You know? of, yeah. you guys, and you, what you're talking yeah, about is tape of, of you. Tape of another man balls deep in you. You know, at the well, end or of whatever. The yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. If you, and that's how they coerce people and get them to get them into bad deals. Yeah, I hear Corey Holcomb talk about it all the time. I mean, Corey Holcomb. I mean, Corey Holcomb is inflammatory as hell, so I love him. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Corey Holcomb talk about that shit all the time, just about how Hollywood is just on some freaky shit. Like way, like a lot of the time they be on some freaky shit, and they always trying to catch you up. If you're a man, there's a lot of homosexuality. If you and if you're a man, they trying to they trying to compromise you. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? On, on, on some level. And he, he says it all the time. Like, these dudes that you see, if they making these movies, they some dick in the booty ass niggas. All right, so let's let's bring that back yeah. to the 1960s and the atmosphere of that was essentially the Playboy Club and what was essentially Chicago at that point in time, what was essentially Los Angeles. You know, the one thing, like, I was even watching with my lady, and she was like, one thing I noticed about that first accuser, she said that they were at the club and her and a girl met Bill and he, like, gave them a pill and they were like, well, what's in this? And he was like, uh, just some stuff that's going to make you feel good and everything. And they took right. it willingly. And then they took the other one, the next one, willingly. That was a culture. It was a culture of um, completion where women were always basically doing whatever the man asked them to do at that point in time. It was a misogynistic era. And that's what I always discuss when I discuss these things, because Bill Cosby wasn't the only one. He was probably one of about 50. And if you take up that and you make that one of about 50, even if you say there's 20 on the East Coast and 20 on the West Coast, there ain't but so many actresses trying to get in and there ain't but so many funnels to get in, actors and actresses. So it's like kind of like... They were they wouldn't say no to the pills because that's normal. You had people who were going to discos in the seventies and they were taking pills and and amphetamines from people that they didn't know and ending up having sex in one night stands. That was generally what the world was. Right. It generally was. But, you know, there's definitely a problem with Bill Cosby. I'm glad that he did make that piece because you really do have to talk about it. Because with all of the things that horrible things that he did with women and everything, part of the reason why he may feel like he didn't do anything wrong is because he knows that there are many others that did the same thing as him. And that's well, really what he's speaking to. That's a bad defense. Do yeah, wrong, right. That, that's a bad Two defense. wrongs don't make a right. But he, here's part of the problem, though. Part of the problem is that you paint in the 1960s argument with a 2023 paintbrush. And, I mean, regardless regardless to how wrong we think it is now, at that time, mm-hmm. they probably didn't, they didn't think it was that wrong. No. Yeah. They didn't think it was that wrong because but, you could get, you could get Spanish fly on the back of a comic book mm-hmm. in the, in, in the, in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. You could still get Spanish fly from a comic book. I'm 10 years old with comic books and there's Spanish fly in, in, at the back of the fucking comic book. So clearly they didn't think it was that bad back then. So understandably right or wrong back then. Now we looking at it with a, with a different eye. But so now the same, by the same token, they also thought it was, it was all right to dog walk black people, you know, absolutely. through the streets of certain towns. Like, mm-hmm. well, clearly they still think that. <laughs> yeah. Some of them do, yes. Yeah, clearly they still think that. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, you break yeah, it down but, and... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's just a it's a slippery slope. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to if you're gonna look back, if you're going to look at, like, take a revisionist historical view at everything that happened from every point in time, but you're going you're gonna to single this out, but then you're going to say, 
uh, critical race theory. We can't, we can't teach, we can't teach real history because that hurts people's feelings. But we're going to look at this shit here and we're going to crucify the people that did this. See, to me, that's, that's, you can't do that. That's hypocritical to me. Well, the piece that had me that really interested me about the Cosby thing, and we've talked about it. Also, we've talked about it before on that show. Um, all of the things that Bill did, educational-wise for kids, all of the things that he did for just for people getting jobs. We saw, you see in the movie, there was a movie with Mario Van Peoples. He actually ended up bankrolling that film so that way he could, you yeah. know, so he could finish that film. Um Sweet, sweet back. Sweet, yeah, sweet, sweet. The guy, and he talks about how he is the one who really started black stuntmen in Hollywood by standing mm-hmm. up. You know, so the man has so many, it's like a, there's so many dichotomies, but it just had me thinking, like, are we really supposed to cancel, are we supposed to cancel all of Bill or are we supposed to cancel parts of him? How about we just chop him in half? And we take out pieces that we are. Why don't we try something new and try to keep the things that he actually did? Because honestly, the man was a pioneer. He was a pioneer. And he did many things. And also, it's like he kind of set the tone. He was always trying to do... He was like he was a lot more like us than he was like, you know... Um, I don't know any Yo, famous rapists. He's a street rapists. dude from North Philly. Yeah. He's, he's a street dude from North Philly. Like, he ain't... He's just a dude just who happens dude. to be really good with words, but right. he's a street dude. Right. So how much of how much of Harvey Weinstein was canceled? Well, all of him. All of him was canceled? Except for his money. I guess he, you know, I wonder if they got to keep his I mean, money. Where's well, his money? His, I still see his movies everywhere. Oh, that's true. No, nah, he ain't got, well, they what you call, they sold control of that studio a long time ago. Well, they like can't. They right. sold. They sold control of Miramax years ago. But that but is an interesting he, point. They, if you were really canceling people, you would have to cancel all of the movies that he actually was involved in. Well, I mean, I think that you know it's hard to like. I wouldn't like. I'm. I believe that Bill is a very funny dude. Um, you know, I spent many hours sitting there listening to those albums. And howling at the chicken heart, yeah. and you know, to my brother Russell, <laughs> whom I slept with, all, yes, sir. That is great yes, shit, sir. Um, you know, Bill Cosby's talking about going on tour. If he goes on tour, would I go see him? I don't know if I, I don't know if I would contribute one hundred and fifty dollars to Bill Cosby in the current thing. I might have to catch that for free on cable or something or a bootleg. Right. Uh, I don't know if I would contribute money to Bill now, but hell, I saw Bill Cosby live twice at Radio City. Dude's, dude was hilarious. What I go he's see, brilliant, man. If, if, if Harvey Weinstein was still making movies, I don't think I would go see one now. But some of the movies that he made were great. And if they come on, I'm going to see it. Not because he was involved in it, but because of the performances of, you know, the actors and actresses who, who gave their heart and soul to that picture. Well, talking about... You know, but I don't think I'd contribute money to him now. Talking about Harvey Weinstein, he's just one man. His production company, the production company that he shared with his brother, it's much larger than that, and I'm sure that it exists in one form or the other somewhere. It's it it's, it was sold to Disney years ago. Okay, 
Miramax Films. So it's not fruit of a- his brother. His brother realized early on that that his that Harvey was going to get him into trouble. Like his brother tried to separate mm-hmm. from him long before all this shit came down. So it's no longer f- fruit from a poisonous tree. But everything that's associated with Bill yeah. is fruit from a poisonous tree. I mean, look, because it's just Bill. You should be able to watch. Like, I, you should be able to watch I Spy without a problem, because everybody hey, at that time was doing the same that, fucked up thing. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that argument, but like I've watched the Cosby Show if it's on sometimes or a different world. Not contributing to his pocket. That art was done. It, it was made during a very formative time in my life. Um, I mean, heck. We used to actually make sure we were in front of the TV at 8 o'clock on a Thursday night to watch the comedy right. show. We did. Absolutely. Like, there's not a damn thing on this planet that I make sure that I'm in front of the TV for now. That's true. But every Thursday right. night, I was watching the Cosby show. And if you were out, then you were at, your, you were at a friend's house watching it. Watching the Cosby you know, show. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you left as soon as it was over. That was the way that went. The man is iconic. So I, The man is iconic. He is, but... I, like if he goes on tour, I wouldn't go. To, I wouldn't participate in that. Like I don't. But what? You know, what? What parts? Feel the do, need to reward him for for his behavior. You know, I I think that I think that you know, um, that that show really like opened up something to me because it's like, I'm I think about all the great things that Bill Cosby was involved with, as far as the community is concerned. Are we supposed to like just throw all of that away? The stuff that he did with public television, the stuff that he did for inner city kids to educate inner city kids, because it's bad enough now that as it is right now, I don't think so. when you're dealing with when you're dealing with um, with younger kids and education, this early education system, they've already taken Sesame Street, something that was made and forced with public dollars, and They've privatized it. Right. So now the only place you can right. see it is if you have a subscription on HBO. That is the actual mm-hmm. opposite of what the intention of what Sesame Street was for, of what Electric Company yeah. was for. And now it's all Absolutely. privatized. So, and Bill Cosby had a part of that in its very inception. So, do we throw? How much of them do, are we allowed we, to throw we away? We don't have to throw everything out. You, can, yeah, you, it's it's impossible. Can we? You got you got to separate the art from the person. But can we have a conversation? Separate the art from the. Can person. we have a conversation about these parts of Bill Cosby in front of our female friends, our brother, our sisters, our mothers? Absolutely. Can we can we honestly make an argument for keeping these aspects of Bill Cosby? And still even Absolutely attributing can. it to him, but not you don't have to mention him all the time. But these are this is a pioneering except for I would say Bill Cosby fucked it up because in retrospect, he did everything right except for drug those white girls. But and he, the black so, ones too. So And the Hispanic ones. On Thank some you. level on some level Whatever, whatever pain or whatever, whatever it was that that made him do those things, that could be a reason why the art was the way that the art was. You know, you see, what I'm saying if it, if there's some pain or some tragedy that he's dealing with, I mean, you know, if, whoever you're looking at, if you're looking at R. Kelly, if you're looking at Michael Jackson, if you're looking at Harvey Weinstein, it could be some trauma that some unhealed trauma that they're dealing with that made them do these heinous acts 
but that trauma that they're dealing with also, also made fueled them create the art. the art that they did. Mm. You know what I mean? Miles Davis, Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, whoever you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, people people got shit with them, man. People got shit with them. You ain't going to like it all. Yeah. And that's from- so, so at, at you 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 take you take what you can use and you throw and you let the rest go. And that's probably why entertainment is so mad right now. And along those lines, and this is like not something that I prepared for during the show, but they've got the Flash movie coming out right now with that guy with the guy right. Ezra Miller, and Ezra Miller mm-hmm. identifies as they them or whatever. And I don't know the exact story because it's like I'm not really interested in what these and what these people are doing on that level. But I did read briefly at some point he was like uh, had some type of um, relationship with a 15 year old girl and was writing her and had actually taken her and hidden her and was had lived with her for like two years or something like that. And this all happened like a lot of. Yeah, a lot of this happened like during the pandemic and after the filming of the movie Flash. But, you know, um, Issa Rae came out last week and she was like, last, I think it was last week, and she was like, there's no way, no way on God's green earth that if he was me, that I would still be looking at a premiere for the movie The Flash. But apparently, the movie The Flash is fantastic. It's great. It's great. And the people at the studio had this conundrum. They have this multi-million dollar picture that they're already invested well eight eight or nine figures into, low nine figures into. And they've got this problematic star of the vehicle who is actually the linchpin of everything that would be their universe coming up next. He was the youngest actor. I saw Justice League. He was probably the most engaging actor in that entire film. So, where do we draw the line with this stuff? Is it just okay because there's money, or are we supposed to really, as a public, sit around and like make these judgments, allow people to make these snap judgments? Or make these, like, you know, these snap statements, I should say. Because I won't say nothing about Bill Cosby is a snap judgment at this point. You have an opinion on him. If you know that situation, you have an opinion one way or the other. Ezra Miller, he's more protected by what's by these people because they're looking at putting out a great movie with him. How do you, how do well, you balance these things? In my opinion, we're being fed what we think. I, I, I don't think it's, it's it's not a it's not a free thinking society. You know what I mean? Like th- that's not that's not what our society is based on anymore. You know the free thought and um, imaginative imaginative ideas and and you know what I mean that kind of thing. It's not critical thinking. That's not that's not what we do. What we do is we are fed this information, the feed, the the social media, the television, the tickers, all this information is just, you're just bombarded with media all the time, all the time, all the time. And after you hear the same opinion, it's, it's, the, it's the Puff Daddy, it's the Puff Daddy marketing technique. If I can play the shit enough times for you, you'll start to like it, mm-hmm. right? 
if they tell you enough times that Bill Cosby is evil than a motherfucker, evil than a motherfucker, then eventually 85s are going to start to believe it. And 85s are the majority. What percentage of evil would you give would you give um Bill Cosby, uh Grant and then Rob? Would you say he's 50-50? Would you say he's like, you know, 75? I know there's a, there's some women out here that are, that would listen to this and would say, anytime you're a rapist, you're 100%. But... 80, 85% of the people are out on Bill Cosby. Complete. But, but what would you feel? In my opinion. I, I could agree with that. But percentage of good to bad, what ratio would you give Cosby? I would say 85. Just based off of his public persona and what I know, I would say 85 good. Rob? I think Grant is generous, but, um, you know, I'd probably put him closer to 50-50. Okay. Like, he's a human being. And and one of the things, and I'm sure I've said this before, is that the old AD... uh, uh, at one of the colleges that I work with, was has a chair in psychology, and he used to always say, "Like, look, the one thing it's it, we we were having these conversations when Sandusky issue was was big." He said, "The one thing you don't societies do not do is exclude their own. Like, everybody's got a cousin, an uncle, or whatever who's done some inappropriate shit, and you just say, keep them away from the kids, don't invite them here, but they right. don't they don't send them out to live in the woods." They're not, they don't, but you got to get out the country. You got You got five days to be out of the county or, you know, and mm-hmm. Cosby's sort of that, Cosby's that uncle now. We just got to, look, you just got to put him over there right now. Like he can't, he's coming. He's going to be here for dinner. We may not like him, but he's going to be here for dinner because he's still family. But, you know, protect the women folk while he around. Is he OJ? <laughs> you know. Is he OJ? Don't drink what he gives you. Is he OJ? Is he OJ? Can Bill Cosby... Well, how are we defining OJ? Well, I mean, look... How are we defining OJ? Look, OJ is the guy that is unapologetically... He's still looking for his wife's killer in um, at the casino while trying to get, like, two of her w- women that could be her granddaughter up to his room right now. You know, that's, that's OJ right now. OJ is un- unapologetic. You know what I'm saying? He's still going in. Could Bill Cosby do the same thing? Hypothetically speaking, is Bill Cosby welcome in a casino where he's headlining for that night? I want to know if Bill's still blind. Like, I swear that was an act. Like, that whole blindness thing with during, the, during the trial or whatever, I'm pretty sure that was BS. I think he can... <laughs> Well, you know, Harvey Weinstein's half blind too now and crippled. Like he goes into his into his things. He's in a he's in a walker one day. He's in a wheelchair the next day. You know, he looks like somebody's been punching him in the face. Like all of a sudden, these guys get infirmed. They were yeah. they were great. They were healthy. They were hunting two days ago, and now you know they walk into court and they look like, oh, we gotta have to let him out because he's gonna die the second day he's in. <laughs> mm. they, they can't hack it. I'm pretty sure Bill's blindness was one of that. Yeah. Well, you know, Bill comes from a... No, he he inspired a a great generation of guys. 
Well, yeah, well, I mean, he you comes know, Chris from... Rock always says that, that Bill Cosby is the coolest guy in the Richard Pryor book. Okay. Like, that was... Mm-hmm. He was that dude. Mm-hmm. Like, he had all the swag in the world. Well, part of that swag came from hanging out with Hugh Hefner and being at the Playboy Mansion all the time, where the drugs were liberal, and the girls did take them willingly in most cases... And people did wake up next to each other. You know, the stories of walking into rooms, past the rooms, that's a orgy full of people, 20, 30 bodies. That actually happened. This is what, that that was his environment at the time. How do you stop that party? You have to have a type of self-discipline that most people lack. Because a lot of times people go into this business just because they want to be in the orgies. Yeah, but like if you, so if you want to be at the orgies, go to the orgies. But if you want to be at the orgy and you decide, yo, that young thing who wants a who wants a semi recurring role on this show, have her meet me in my room at lunchtime. That ain't going to the orgies, man. That's predatory. Okay, and that's different. Whether regardless of what all else was going on, that's predatory behavior. That's different. Okay. So how how do you you can't write that you... off to the culture. How do you separate the woman who goes to Hollywood with the intention of using her body to get on top? Because we know that some do. Oh yeah. How do how do, how how do we how do we separate her from the one who just wanted to make it on her acting chops? But here's the thing: even if even if she planned to go to let's just say she was like, "Yo, look, you know, all I got in this world are these tits, this ass." And a little bit of right. common sense, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna parlay these two of these things into something much richer, right? 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 Even if that's her mo walking out there, does that mean she's free reign? Anybody can fuck her any way they want, and you know you just chalk it up to the game because she was she was prepared to play, you know? Or no, I, no, I get you. Yeah, I get it. I mean, ultimately, I mean, separate it. Like, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, ultimately, it it's always comes to the same down to the same thing. The woman has the choice. I know you two guys. Unless, of course, you give her a drink. Yeah, it removes that. Right. It, it takes away her ability to have that choice. Yeah, I mean, but that's what we used to call in the eighties dating men and women. You know, so that's the part that is kind of messed up. Like, I don't worry about you, brothers. Like, you know, y'all could be around any one of my family members. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I know I've always personally been a been a hard no type of guy. I'm not going to like, you know, you when a woman says no, everything, back in the day, you would, that would mean, okay, like, you know, I'm going to try a little bit more. And then when you get the hard no, right. and then when you get the hard no, mm-hmm. then that's just like, no. Right. You got to know, hey, you know, that's right. it. It ain't going down. I know, I know a bunch of men that don't believe in that. They believe that, okay, oh. now that's like foreplay. Yeah. And now right. it's like it goes to a next. We're not, we're not here to defend that behavior. If you're one of those guys that behaves in that way, you need to think about it because you got to think about it in terms of your sister and your aunt in that same situation or your mother in that same situation. But then again, many of them might not be here if they're, Dad hadn't done such a heinous thing. So, um, you know, pushed up in such a heinous wow. way. But this is what the... But no, no. but this is like... 
But, no, but, but Grant, like, this is the type of conversation. Watch, the, watch those things. '80s movies. Watch those '80s movies. Oh yeah, that, where the, the, Chris, the Chris Columbus movies, uh, Better Off Dead, and mm-hmm. Sweet, Sixteen Candles, Weird Science. Yeah. All those, like all of those, have problematic scenes in them now. Yeah. Prob- problematic, pushy, pushing yourself sexually on a woman. This is the mm-hmm. culture that we. This is the culture that we have, we basically grew up in. This culture where you know no means yes. And you know, give him a quaalude. I talked about it on the show, the show that I that we saw with the two guys, the movie, and they were like, "Oh, give her a quaalude," and then whoop, and everybody was like, oh, "Okay, quaaludes." Like it's a great thing. Like it's a social experiment. It's a social lubricant. This is the world that Bill Cosby was living in, and that many of us kind of grew up in a in an offshoot of that in some sort of way. And that's why a lot of those women, I noticed that they, they had to frame it. They framed it that, well, Bill Cosby was giving it to me, so I trusted him. Because you can't say the norm was for you to take the pill at that time and you ask the question later. Maybe you might have a good time. Maybe you didn't have a good time. But, you know, it kind of puts a whole new slant on the whole thing about the 70s and the one-night stands and all the things that were going on. A lot of those one-night stands are girls that are roofied, and you wake up in the morning, and the guy is just there like, oh, you just don't remember what happened, but we had a good time, honey. And then the girl would get up and pick a bag and get her stuff out, get out of there and leave and everything. So how how do we keep some of this stuff? Go ahead. Well, so here's the question: Are 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 people that are that are still are people that are using these tactics in this day and time? Are they victims because they've been brought up in a culture where every movie, every TV show, all they do is promote uh, when you, when you when you out with somebody, you drinking, taking drugs, you fucking drinking, you taking drugs, you fucking. So that's. That's the norm in in movies and television and everything. That's that's the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Every movie, if you any uh come coming of age movie like Superbad, like uh uh Weird Science, whatever movie you're talking about, there's an element of drinking, there's an element of drugs, and then somebody has sex. Mm-hmm. So so are so are was is, you know. Whoever's whoever's roofing somebody right now, are they a victim of society at large? Based think, off of all of this media that they've been fed? I think if they believe it's okay, you know, yes, but I don't I don't know if they're really victims of that or they're they're victims of like personal neglect at home. Parents not teaching them well, better. Well why wouldn't you why wouldn't you think it's okay if that's what you've seen? Because so just kind of because your mom told you, know, you they, better. They said hip hop. They said hip hop was making making uh, black people shoot at the cops. When cop killer came out, when fuck the police came out, that, that's what was making fueling black yeah. people. Well, because they, they had this music that, that, and they were doing this was, activity. But that was them abdicating their responsibility. The police created a hostile situation. When you, I, when you, I got when, it. When, when I got you it. terrorize the community. For their entire existence, at some it. point they're gonna turn back on you. I get it. You know. So, so, so they tried you, to blame something else. They tried to come up with something else to cover their tracks. When you show somebody, meet a girl, take her out to drink, get her some drugs, and then fuck. Is it, I mean, is is that is that creating the environment? 
I mean, <sighs> if I had a client who I was trying to defend, um, you know, I might try to pull that argument to get some sympathy with the jury. But at the end of the day, like, if you're looking at the, the moral arc of the universe, like, like, my mother never said to me, hey, don't roofie girls. I just knew. Right. It really wasn't I, anything yeah. you were supposed to do. I watched all those right. movies. I No, I get it. I listen to more hip-hop than anybody. I ain't yeah. never shot at the cops. Which so, probably pissing you off some days. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, though. deserving. <laughs> right. But just, some, you know, some. just... Just, so, I mean, it, so. is it possible that the indoctrination of babies, because now if you look at this homosexual shit, you know, it's everywhere in media. It's everywhere in media. And now you have an inordinate amount of people that are claiming alternative lifestyles. And I mean, it's fine if you do. I don't, I don't care. But I'm I'm just saying it used to be 5% of the population, let's say. Now it's 35% of the population. That jump is is something is something happened something happened that made that that made that number go exponentially like that. I'm well, just, you know, well, I, I mean, mean I'm just throwing shit up against the wall. Well, but. I mean, they say that basically people have the have the capacity to be gender fluid, but there's definitely something with that because I've had conversations with Di. She's like the early childhood intervention specialist in the house, right? And um, we had I had watched this woman once on television was talking about how kids, how you know, like for example, Charlize Theron caught a lot of caught a lot of flack for taking her son and t- saying that he wants to wear mm-hmm. dresses. He knows that he's gay, and honestly, like. Uh, an actual clinician who's been dealing with children for 30, 40, 50 years will tell you that kids have the ability to ping pong back up until a certain age that is well past three years old or four years old. You know, so you shouldn't really, and this is the part, this is the unpopular part, and I've seen someone say this on television, you shouldn't be letting these kids make this decision at four years old. Because they're yeah. just not they're just right. not ready. And then the part of the the part of the of that community that has the agenda is booing that. But it's like you really shouldn't be booing that. You should be looking at common sense. Nobody is saying that it's wrong for the for children to act either effeminate or, or more masculine or whatever. It shouldn't be a thing whatsoever. Whenever they make that decision, whenever that decision happens, it's important to support them at that point in time. But <clears throat> to say that so the society at large is not about supporting, like if when, the moment a kid gets off track, the society is about pushing them back on track. And that's where the other side is like, you know, that's where the other side sort of gets their back up a little bit. Um, I remember a dude that I worked with as a talk show host. He's straight hour white guy. Um, but his son one year had seen a commercial and he wanted to pet Dr. Barbie. Okay. Like, and so Scott was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, and he actually made it a talk show top one day. He's like, you know, my son came home. He wants to pet Dr. Barbie. He's 
at the time he had to be five years old, maybe four or five years old. Like, should I get it for him? And you should have heard the hatred coming down the line. Mm. The people who thought that getting it at for him would be indoctrination and like, it's a doll, man. It's a, it's a toy. You're going to play with it for, he's going to play with it for two weeks and then it's going to go in the pile with the rest of them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that having that Barbie, not necessarily going to make him gay. You know, Barbie's got a nice rack. Might make him, might make him look at the other gender <laughs> a little bit more closely. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, Barbie's got killer dimensions. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the people were, the people were so against it. And that's the thing. Like you, you, you know, I, I know a young lady who's in that position right now. Like she's got a 12 year old daughter who from the word go has been saying she's a boy. Like she only wears underwear with dick holes in it. Like she tries to stay as neutral looking as possible. Um, and you know, her mom just, her mom just like lets her, Hey, whatever she says, you know, she comes home tomorrow and she tells me she wants her wardrobe to be all pink. It'll be all pink. She comes home tomorrow and says she's only going to wear superheroes. She's only wearing superheroes. Like, we're just going to let her figure it out. The only rule she's had for the child, because the child has come to her and said, like, I want to transition. She's like, look, you can't transition until you're old enough to vote. Like, you got to wait. Mm-hmm. You, don't know what, you don't know what your life experience is going to, where it's going to take you. So you can't make that decision until you're old enough to, to understand that that decision is for life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like people right now you can't understand what that concept of for life is. And a lot of people feel like that's wrong that you're holding them hostage. So it's like, where is the right per- where is the right place? You know, it seems to me that it seems to me that like you know, things back in the '60s and '70s and '80s, they were more lived experiences, less controlled. Um, and really? of course, with try going to get a, try going to get a mortgage. <laughs> Oh, well. They were very controlled. Oh, no, well. Women and, women and Negroes had to know their place in those oh, days. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely, but I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about societally on a more of a social level than anything else. It was less controlled. It was more lived experiences. Your mistakes get, came out of trial and error. And mm-hmm. now, after 30, 40, 50 years, we now have the data and we know that it's wrong. So now we've gone the exact opposite place and we're trying to, for no matter what, to legislate and, um, and control these things that are still need to be lived experiences to a certain extent. Do you know what I mean? It's like but the people who are trying to legislate are also the same people who, tr- who tried to make sure that we knew our place. Eh, I think right. they're all mixed in right now. I think, honestly, honestly speaking, I think that over the years that one of the things that's changed is that we've actually picked up a lot of their tricks or people who were allies or even ourselves have picked up a lot of their tricks and tactics. So in a lot of ways, when you talk about the oppressors, a lot of times they don't have to be the ones that are oppressing us. We oppress ourselves. That's part of one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation a little bit about Bill Cosby, because what we're essentially doing with Bill Cosby by ignoring parts of his legacy and only focusing on the one thing is that we're losing a lot of good lessons about how we can actually get together and move forward as a people. 
the lessons aren't just in the Malcolm X's and in the Martin Luther King's and in the um, the uh, who was the one that they killed at nineteen that we that everyone was on last year. Not Emmett Till, the guy that was the that they blew him up, that they blew him up, that had the Poor People's Coalition. His name actually like um, seeks our mind. Gene would like know it all the time. Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton. Okay, brother Fred Hampton. Brother Fred Hampton. Okay, like even like him, all these people that had these experiences, and they actually like worked at and came together. It's a it's a different type of it's a different type of movement now, where well, everyone uh, where we it, attack part, each other. Well, part of the reason why, uh, and I'm going to forget the comedian's name now, but the comedian who made the joke that started the Bill Cos- Cosby avalanche, Carmichael. Part of what oh, pissed Hannibal him, Burst. Hannibal Burst. Hannibal Burst. Burst. Okay. Yeah. Part of what part of what pissed him off. Part of what what got him on that on that shit was that here's this guy. Bill was always talking respectability politics. Like Bill was always talking about pull your pants up, you know, speak properly, whatever. But then he's terrorizing a part of our of our society. Like you can't go if you're going to be that dude, if you're going to walk around telling people what they should and should not be doing, then you can't be doing those types of things behind the scenes. Granted, that's, that's fair. what got him in trouble. Granted, that's fair. That's a fair argument. It's a very strong argument. Yeah, it's very difficult like to Hannibal's disagree thing. with that. Like, yo. It's very hard to disagree with that. Like yeah. completely and totally, but my part, my point is though <laughs> the aspects of Bill Cosby that were, um, like you know, they said that he helped. He wasn't always on the front lines, but he helped wherever he could. You know, that's something that we we get to a point where we're as black people. You know, we we talk about all these different levels of our culture on this show, from hip hop all the way up to the presidency, and everything in between. We talk about all these different things, and we're always quick to call another another person a sellout. They don't fit into like what we would like them to do. They're not working with. We're not working together as a movement. But one thing that Bill Cosby did was, is that whereas he couldn't be out front this way, he would support in the back. And now we take people that we just automatically assume that they're not down with our struggle. So we just, like, dismiss them right away. There's no room for a Bill Cosby right now to pay you on the back end because you're just going to attack them. And I'm not saying Bill Cosby himself. I'm saying someone in a position like Bill Cosby. The fear is even dealing with these people that you're going to get called out for something that has nothing to do with anything. And that's like kind of like the Wendy Williams effect. That happens in the late 80s and the 90s, where everything is so juicy. Everything about the person has to be put out there on front street. Some things, sometimes you should just, we should take the cues from other communities and just say less, is basically the point. Nobody's saying that Bill is good, you know what I'm saying? But how about we say less? And we can talk about him, or we can talk about the things that he did that can actually help other generations. Because now, since we're we're just canceling everything about these people and everything about him, we have to be we have to be recognizing the fact that part of what we're canceling is strength, unity, and with that. 
Hours up. Word. Word bond. Hey. I thought we going to talk about a comedy. Well, we, well, we were going to talk about comedy, but of course we went off all, all these different places. But um, Trugoy the Dove. What is it? What was his name? Trugoy. Dave. Dave. J- Dave. Jock. How you say, how you say his last name? Jocular. A jolly, jolly cure? I can't, yeah. I can't, uh, yeah. Like I said, I used to work with his mom. A true boy. I couldn't say it back then either. That was like really like, that was back in the 90s, believe it or not. That was like right in 90, right when Jonathan was born. That was the job that I went to. And his mom worked there. And, um, you know, wow. All these, all these hip-hop luminaries on Long Island. You know, but rest in peace. Yeah, Brothers got to sure. take care of themselves, man. You know, I saw E. Sermon was a little around. bit. He was tight about it. You know. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw that, I saw that from Eric too. Yeah, and we were talking earlier in the show before we had the the, the break about how that's a tough lifestyle, and how you really want to take as good care of yourself as possible out here in these streets because um, you know it's not just the guns that'll kill you but I know what well, they, got, they, got, they got a lot of ways to take you down they do mm-hmm. you know that's why Rob's a vegan and that's why Grant owns the place where they only serve Amish wings because Amish that's wings right. are fresh wings and that's you know we're talking about city wings 2896 West Grand Boulevard Detroit Michigan I'm Amish get you not some. play around I must do not play around. They're so, not putting anything unnatural on that stuff. So you know, there may be a little bit of there may be a little bit of butter. There may be a little bit of flour on it. But the wing itself. No flour. Mwah. No flour. No preservatives. No butter and hot sauce. Or butter hot sauce. Mango habanero. Yeah, a little little juice of some sort, probably. There you go. And a little bit of spice. Mm-hmm. That's it, chicken. Y'all ever see this brother Greer Barnes? He is stand up. He's a New York stand up. I have not. Greer Barnes. I'm not. I'm yeah, not you you, you got to look this brother up. He's he's funny. He's got a good right. way with words too. But uh, I I've seen him a couple of times live, and there's a bit floating around on the internet where he's like, he's like, I was watching this nature documentary, and they're like, the European bee, the African bee is a lot more hostile. Than the European bee, and he's like, "We just gonna casually inject racism into the bug world." Now? <laughs> oh yeah, I know this cat. Uh, I know this he, cat. Yeah, yeah, he is, he is funny. Yeah, he is funny. We give him props. He does a that. whole routine about um, 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 what the hell's the guy's name? Uh, the serial killer, one of the serial killers, and Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, hopefully, you know, I'm tired of hearing about uh, I forget who it was. Charles Manson. Yeah, but he does this thing talk about how he's the greatest of all time because he only killed eights and above. Uh. <laughs> 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 and on that note, <laughs> he, said, he was he was killing people that people were going to be looking for. It's not like he was killing hobos. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny from, as 
from New Jersey, Philadelphia. <laughs> my partner, my ace boo goon in crime, Mr. Robert Brooks. What's got going jokes. on? This is, see, this is not, um, you know, this is radio, not TV, but, you know, just for Grant and for John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, it looks like I'm looking at. The, it looks like I'm looking at my phone in that picture now. So it's like it's proof of nothing. Don't post that. You know how hard it was to get that because I had to wait. I had to wait for die to nod too because she wasn't gonna let me play you like that. Yeah, she would. So that's why she's around, boy. She got my back, boy. Got my back. Yeah, how'd that work out? <laughs> yeah, not too good. That's that's because Rob, what what much powerful wampum. <laughs> Powerful wampum and crazy cannon stick. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know we got to get Orlando one here. We want to talk about the economy. We also want to talk about that All Star game because, you know I was just wondering in the land of Mormons and everything on All Star weekend. It's a big, like, you know, we talk about entertainment and we talk about a lot of sexual things going on in the world. And, you know, All-Star Weekend is usually a sex, you know, crazed weekend. There's a lot of there's a lot of loving going on during All-Star Weekend. And I just wonder in everything, mm-hmm. how does the father of the Mormons view that in his state, all of that fornication? I want to know if we can get some insight. Because, like, you know... Yeah, because aren't, aren't they all his daughters? Yeah, I mean, how does... Brig- daughters and wives? How does Brigham Young feel about that? I want to know. So, here's, here's a question. So, typically at All-Star Game, you got a lot of... Uh, you have a lot of talent coming in from other places. Oh, yeah, they import it. And then, they, that, you know, then the free gonna, agents get there. How is that going to play out? How is that going to play out in Salt Lake City? That's what I'm saying. I'm curious. Probably probably the same as it does every place else. You can't stop that game. I've got you know, a lot of questions. Game behind the game, you can't stop that game. They they gonna go and get their man. At least right. they're gonna try. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Have fun in Salt Lake City. Have fun in Salt Lake City. It's okay there. It's sort of like to make it like a neutral zone for a while, like yeah, we know this is a, we know this is a Mormon state, but for this weekend, you know, this area here is going to be under some different rules. But you know, they their rules like the bars you got to join are all private clubs and stuff in Salt Lake. Well, I want to have some conversations about what's going on in this in this Mormon state, and I want to unleash some more words this year. I want to have more controversial conversations, like the one that we just had about Bill Cosby. And pretty much anything else out there that'll shake your little um, tail feathers there, out there, snowflakes. We're going to get it. We're going to really have some fun right now in the next couple of weeks here. As long as I keep Rob away from me before showtime in that damn machine. More than trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Good seeing y'all again. Peace. Absolutely. Peace. Peace.